0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 417 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host Brad Roland. It is Sunday, September 17th and I am joined on an NFL Sunday. His Colts got a win today. Scott Coleman
1: is here. Hello Scott, how are you? Hey Brad, I'm doing well. A bit of a hangover weekend for the Braves, but of course a lot of good things earlier in the week and it's an exciting time of year, right? Yeah, football in full swing. Yeah, of course. Baseball playoffs. We only have two weeks left in the regular season, which is wild. Feels like we were getting ready for opening day just yesterday. And the Braves, despite what happened in Miami, are having a really special year and, and have a lot of good things on the horizon. Scott, that was entirely too positive at the top of this podcast because people are freaking out at this moment in time.
0: We'll talk about that. Of course, the Braves had a terrible weekend. I'm glad you used the word hangover. That is a word that I would have used and I think was used even in some questions to the Braves from the media down in Miami this weekend on Sundays in particular. You know, no one will ever attribute this performance to just that, but I think it is fairly logical if you take a step back and just realize, like, hey... Yeah, it'd be great if these guys were robots and uh, had the foot to the floor all the time. But uh, kind of a series where it was it was ugly, to be sure. No one's saying otherwise. They lost three games and uh, gave up a lot of runs, and all that stuff. We'll talk about it. But uh, in general, not anything to panic too much about. And listen, we should at least say, because uh, I, I know there are some folks who still do not listen to all the midweek shows. And you should be doing that, for the record. But if you don't, um, the Braves did win the division this week. They clinched it on Wednesday, September 13th. Um, it's very impressive. It's like almost old hat now. And the way that we talk about it in some respects, but a uh, big picture, that's still the headline of the week in the last seven days. And the Braves have now like won you know, two thirds of the division races that they've been in for the last 30 years. It is, it is pretty remarkable what they have done. And yeah, it was a, a rough weekend, but only a few days ago they were clinching with what 17 games left, some absurd number. So it was absolutely, uh, it's been a crazy season in a positive direction, uh, this weekend notwithstanding.
1: Yeah, it almost felt like two different weeks over the last week, right? You have the doubleheader on Monday, the Braves split. And then, of course, to be able to clinch on your division rivals' home turf is just, I mean, it's about as good as it gets, especially the way the playoffs went last year. So a really nice moment. I don't love in baseball, or really just in all sports, naturally, seasons get evaluated on how the playoffs go. Right, I, I I'm guilty of it. I think most people ultimately judge seasons based on how October goes or whatever month the playoffs happen in. But you can't diminish just how special a division championship is, and especially one that's so dominant. I mean, what they clinch on September 13th? I mean, teams don't clinch divisions on September 13th unless they're just in some putrid AL Central type of division. And even then, I mean, the NL East is good, man. They have at least one team besides Atlanta that's going to get in, maybe two into the playoffs. So, yes, ultimately, when we look back on this season in five years, you and I and everyone else are going to evaluate and ultimately judge it on how this team fares in October and early November. But you, you just can't overlook and, and not give credit to just a, an incredible run over the last five and a half, six months, because the Braves, really since opening weekend, have just completely put this division in a chokehold.
0: Yeah, it's an area where I know you and I have talked about this a lot over the years, and we're not going to repeat all of it now, but I think in particular in baseball, there should be more of an appreciation for regular season performance, and especially with the expanded playoffs, like it's such a – random noisy playoff format compared to the sport that's actually being played that I think that uh it would be wise for especially for the diehards that really care about this stuff to kind of take a step back and evaluate like the importance of regular season and there should probably be more um just I don't know, I'm not sure what, how do you even do how to even do it if you're baseball but you know maybe different framing on like best team regular season because that's it really is much more indicative of the best team overall than it actually is over a short series in baseball. I mean, that's the case for a lot of sports, but especially in baseball, which is the ultimate large sample size sport and all that stuff. But anyway, it's a, uh, it's been a heck of a year so far for the Braves. And uh, we'll talk about this weekend, I guess probably in a few minutes, but generally speaking, um, you and I are not going to panic after uh, three losses to the Marlins in hangover fashion. We should at least say, the, uh, as far as the races are concerned, the Braves still have a four and a half game lead on the Dodgers with, you know, 13, 14 games to play. That's a pretty large margin. It's not over by any means. That's that's probably the only race that's still active because the Braves have a 12 game lead over uh, basically on, on having a first round by, AKA a top two seed. So, Scott, it feels like that one is pretty secure. I have to say, uh, I don't want to yeah. jinx it too yeah. much, but if the Braves don't go 0 14 the rest of the way, they'll, they'll probably be in good shape.
1: Yeah. And you and I have hashed out the obvious benefits, of course, of being the number one seed. But even if the Braves don't have a great final two weeks and L.A. somehow catches them, I mean, is there really that great of a difference between the one seed and the two seed in the big picture? Right. I mean, we we could probably go for half an hour on the pros of the facing the 4 or the 5 seed versus the 3 and the 6 this year and and then on the chance you would happen to see the 1 seeded team you know then then who knows we're we're talking weeks down the road and and then of course the other one too is the number 1 overall seed race which i believe the Braves are 3 ahead of the Baltimore Orioles in case those two teams would meet up in the world series but again you're talking about a small percentage of these individual matchups happening So I think the way I'm going to approach it, and I think the way I would recommend just so people keep their sanity over these last (laughs) two weeks is, man, just let the games happen, right? Like you're going to go crazy. If you scoreboard watch after the team has already clinched, you mentioned they basically just have to win two games and they have the first round by lockdown, you know, you're going to go nuts doing it. And at the same time, you know, the Dodgers are a veteran team with a lot of injury problems themselves they will take their foot off the pedal as well. I mean, that that's not a team that was started slowly and is just humming now. I mean, you want to talk about being cautious. They're having Kershaw throw like four innings in his starts right now because they're just trying to get him to October. Yeah, they so, they sat they sat Mookie at Friday today, for example. Yeah. Just to say yeah. yeah. So uh, that's not that, gonna that's be a
0: problem. <laughs> I wouldn't say too much. We'll see.
1: Yeah. That is my long rambling way of saying just enjoy these final two weeks the Braves are in as good of a position as you could humanly ask for with, with 13 games to go. It looks like they will be the one seed. Hopefully they figure it out. I, I don't, if they, if this time next week, Brad, if you and I are talking about a week where the Braves went one in five and got dunced by, by the Phillies and the nationals. Sure. Then it's probably time to have a real conversation of like, all right, guys, let's not let this get too far down the drain. And, and all of a sudden things go sideways. I think the, the, going back home is going to be good for this club. They've been away for a week and just kind of put a bow on this and hopefully wrap up that one seed here fairly soon.
0: I strongly agree. And look, I promise right here on the podcast, if they go out this week and just look awful for six games, we will have a more – um more serious discussion about the struggles because then even then I probably will lean towards not panicking, but at least I will understand it more right now. I really have zero concerns. It's, it feels like just a hangover and uh, we'll leave it there for the most part. And uh, one thing, the last thing I'll say on this topic is that uh, if there was one thing that was probably not definitely, but probably lost this weekend, it was the Braves chances to set a franchise win record. That record is one of six, um, they could still get there, but they have to finish 10 and three now to tie it and 11 and two to pass it. That's a lot harder to do. So, uh, that's the one thing that I think they might have lost is a chance at that. At we say big chance at that. So if you care about that, uh, I got to set off your, uh, fire alarms now, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's if, if that is the only thing the Braves lost this weekend, <laughs> other yeah. than a couple of what seem like fairly minor injuries that we're going to talk about here in a moment.
0: Oh, uh, that, that is a pro transition from Scott yeah. Coleman, ladies and like gentlemen. That. Uh, listen, you're the best in the business for many reasons, but that's one of them. Um, speaking of which, so one thing that they could have, I suppose, lost to your point, uh, and the most important thing by a, by a wide margin is Ronald Acuna. Uh, he, of course, tweaked something. Um, he is improving at this point in time, per Brian Snicker. No one has said whether he would have played if it was the playoffs. I have a, I have a belief that he probably would have kept playing. Um, he's going to work out Monday as we recording his podcast on Sunday evenings Gonna work out Monday at truest Stit said, and I'm, I'm quoting here now that they just wanted to make sure basically on Ronnie, he sat the whole weekend. Um, I don't know about you, Scott. That is something that I wholeheartedly endorse. I know he had played every game all year long and it was a point of pride. I'm sure for him and it should have been, it's, it's a cool thing. But um, I think when you have what has been the best player in baseball, at least the best player in the national league this year, in my opinion, uh, when that guy is feeling anything weird in the midst of, clinching and all that fun stuff, you you don't need to press him and get him out there. So uh, hopefully Monday, um, you know, 24 hours from now, we're having a positive uh, update from Snit and the medical staff, etc. But But um, if there's anything to even hold your breath on, it's probably Ronnie, but it seems like it's okay. I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like that.
1: Well, and the fact that Ronald, it, there was no immediate like, oh God, here we go. Right? Like no. <laughs> he, he had that weirded bat on Friday night where, kind of stumbled and didn't bust it down the line. Ronald said after the game that there was a play in right field, which is of course a, uh, I don't think the players love the outfield turf at Marlins park too much. It can be really tough on guys. <laughs> they do not. I can tell no, you that right now. They do not with Ronald's history in the ballpark too. I, I don't blame him one iota for being extremely cautious. He still went out in the field to warm up and then called the training staff out And the fact that Brian Snitker (laughs) made the trip out, heard about three words from the training staff and said, all right, let's get him off the field. I think speaks volumes to, you know, there was no cart brought out. They weren't helping him off. I I do agree. I think if, if push came to shove, if it was a must win type of game, he could have kept going and no, no real concern. You you give him those two days in Miami to rest. We'll see how he responds on Monday, but uh, the name of the game over these last two weeks is keeping everybody as healthy as humanly possible. And if that means giving Ronald a couple more days, then do it.
0: Yes. I have nothing else to add other than uh, he is still, uh, I know folks were a little bit worried about the MVP race, when he uh, when he went down and had a couple days off, he's still a very large favorite in the betting market right now. I'm not going to make Scott talk about this because Scott does not like awards talk. Everybody, Scott is not a fan
1: of awards talk. I'm tell you that right you now mean, on the record. You <laughs> make me sound like <laughs> mean, Mr. Scrooge. I well, enjoy listen. I enjoy awards talk. I don't enjoy awards talk in like mid August, which is when <laughs> this was all starting, and I was banging my head against the wall going, I can't do six weeks of this, Brad. I just and can't. Y-
0: and yet we are going to do six weeks of it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fine. I am just wanted to give that little, a little update. Uh, it probably helped that best didn't have a great weekend either. And then, as I said before, he took the Sunday off. So Ryan's not lost any ground there if you're worried about that. I get it. Everybody's invested in that race. But uh, he is the favorite. At least according to the markets right now. And uh, I, I am still on the side of I would vote for him if the season ended today. But alas, there we are. Um, on the other injury front that Scott brought up, it's mostly uh, bullpen-related. Dylan Lee's season is over. Um, he's not on a 60-day IL. It was originally 15-day IL, and then he was transferred over the weekend to create some extra rockster flexibility. Um, same issue for Lee. Unfortunately, they helped him miss a bunch of time. I know we were hopeful about Dylan Lee's return. We talked about it a lot for a couple of months now. Um, he didn't look quite like himself when he was pitching and uh, they didn't like what they saw or that, that he felt or some combination of all of those things. So he's not, he's not going to be gone. And uh, as you kind of alluded to on our notes, uh, it's Brad hand season, Scott, I don't know how you feel about that, but he's now a, a more integral part of the bullpen moving forward.
1: It's really a bummer for Dylan Lee. He of course has been really good the last couple of years. So, I mean, he just couldn't get that shoulder right. And shoulder injuries are about as concerning as it gets for pitchers in 2023. He, just, he was okay in his couple of appearances, but the fact that he missed almost three and a half months, the odds were against him for coming back and now having to shut him down. You just hope that he is able to get some treatment and get back to 100% going into next year. So a bummer for sure on Lee, who I really like. And yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned on one of the nights in Miami that you know, Brad Hand is a virtual lock for the playoff Roster now, at least in my opinion, I mean, I was I was doing a mock playoff roster and with the twenty six spots, and I mean, I think I would be shocked if the Braves wouldn't carry a second lefty in the bullpen. Uh, you know, I guess he's not a hundred percent certainty like the way Iglesias or Minter are, but I think Hand being a veteran, they obviously like him, acquiring him at the deadline. I think he is going to be the number two come October. He is not going to hopefully throw super high leverage innings, and he is perfectly fine against left-handed hitters. He's quite good against them, actually. It's just those right-handed hitters, man, they just launch off of Brad, and he's <laughs> not special in that way. A lot of lefties, relievers in particular, struggle against right-handed hitters, and I mean, that's that's what got him on, on one of those nights in Miami. I mean, it was just a bunch of righties in a row taking batting practice off of him, and that you know that that's not his strengths. His strengths is facing lefty hitters, and hopefully, they put him in a position to only face lefties or at least predominantly lefties.
0: Yeah, as soon as uh, Lee went down, before he was even transferred to Sixty Day, Snit was pretty <clears throat> pretty transparent. But he was not going to be probably an option for the playoffs. He did even say that Chavez was not probably going to be a realistic, I believe, is the way he framed it. Option that was a few days ago, and then he actually is going to go make a rehab appearance. So. Could be some depth there from Jesse Chavez, but I, I tend to agree with you on Brad Hand. Like unless he just really blows up in the next two weeks, um, I think he'll be a guy they don't want to use a ton probably. But he's gonna he's gonna be there, and, and uh, you know he's got some pedigree, like you said. Not gonna be super comfortable with him necessarily, but if you use him appropriately, take advantage of some of the split stuff, and he's a reasonable guy to have in your bullpen, even if again not a high leverage guy. If you could help it. The other guy that we should discuss is Nick Anderson because Nick Anderson, they have not said as, you know, it's not been as negative as it's been around Chavez. Um, he's not pitched in a while. Anderson's not come back. Um, he's not pitched on, on a big league mound since July 7th with uh, a shoulder issue, but he was good. And people, we talked about this a lot on the podcast, but he was good when he was pitching and he's going to be on a rehab assignment. This beginning of this week. Um, he is playoff eligible. Um, and look, It would be hard. I think it was framed as kind of a long shot, or maybe not a super long shot, but certainly not more likely than not. But if he can prove that he looks like Nick Anderson uh, this week, maybe in the minors, then they'll have a week to evaluate him at a big league level. It's pretty tight, but it's not impossible for a guy who, again, I would say it's probably important to acknowledge he's a proven entity in a way that some other guys. Or not. Like even before he got to Atlanta, he had pitched big innings for Tampa Bay in the playoffs, et cetera. So he's been there. It's just whether he can actually prove to Snit and the staff and to Alex that he's uh, kind of all the way back.
1: Yeah, Anderson is kind of the forgotten man out there because it was just an odd injury, right? Like it was right before the All-Star break. It, there was no immediate moment in a game where it was like, oh, that's not good. And then he just was hit the 60-day IL and hasn't pitched since that early July series. So in, in the back of my mind, I had kind of forgotten about him a little bit. You mentioned the turnaround. I mean, there are officially two weeks left in the regular season. Perhaps if he makes, I don't know, man, I mean, two, maybe three appearances over the next calendar week, that they'll have an opportunity to evaluate and, Now, in my head, if you're going to have Nick Anderson on your playoff roster, they have to get him into a couple of big league games before then, right? Oh, yes, definitely. I I would think, and you just look, there's only, I believe there's 13 games left because there's an off day mixed in. So the calendar is working against Anderson and against the Braves. But, I mean, if he is back to the level he was at pre-injury, I mean, you're talking about a really good reliever who I think could – Possibly factor into the sixth and seventh inning equations, come October if if he's healthy. So that that's one to really pay attention to, I think, over these next few days. And then if Jesse Chavez, who I think pitched on Thursday and, and pitched well, you know, if he's able to make a few more appearances, I, I think he is at least based on everything he did prior to the shin injury. I mean, why, why not? I would I would trust him in the bullpen over a. Ben Heller, or you know, one of these like kind of 4A guys who would be like long relief in a playoff series. I, I would take Jesse Chavez over them.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to have a discussion and then we will have it, I promise, either with us or uh, with Steven and Chris or Sean, or maybe all the above on kind of how to approach the playoff bullpen. Like, how many long guys do you want in there? Like, the name Kyle Wright's gonna come up, I'm sure. Um, that's one to keep an eye on, but yeah, I, I mean, Chavez is. You know, speaking of guys who have proven it, he's he's ancient, but he's been around forever. If they look like he's, you know, if he's definitely reliable in their in their framing. I know Justin Toscano wrote a, wrote about Anderson and kind of talked about like something you just said. Like Gwynette season ends, I believe, on the twenty fourth, which is a week from today. So you'd have this week in Gwinnett, and then you'd have one week of what seven games next week to maybe get him in a couple, maybe three at Match that at the absolute most. So yeah, it'll be tight. I don't know. Uh, but you're right. There are there are guys who I would describe as potentially expendable if you think that Nick Anderson is Nick Anderson in all capital letters. I know Bowman did kind of a preliminary and roster um, projection before he went on vacation this weekend, and it was kind of the usual suspects. Um, we're not going di- to like sort of dive into the entire thing here, but for example, uh that had Kyle Wright in the bullpen and it had Tonkin and it had Yates and it had Jackson Stevens all in the bullpen. So it's like, you know, there are some names there. I don't know. I mean, Jackson Stevens is fine, but I think Nick Anderson, if he's Nick Anderson, is better than Jackson Stevens. So it's like, and yeah. Kyle Wright too. So Kyle Wright's a different animal, obviously as a long man, but there's a spot or two there that could be flexible.
1: Yeah. No shortage of roster storylines i guess over these last two weeks that'll be Especially the main
0: hopefully the main storyline of the next two weeks is roster let's, stuff yes <laughs> Let, let's just hope yeah. on that right now so. Let's
1: hope. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i think we could probably rely on chris and steven to do a full-on deep dive on that at some point either uh, next week or this week um anyway a lot of stuff to cover there but it's kind of the nuts and bolts and we talked about it earlier but not not a lot to discuss from the philly series i know it's been covered if you want more depth on what transpired in that four game series uh, Sean and Chris and Steven did provide it for you. A couple of things, though. The Braves just scored at will against Philly. Um, they had nine home runs in the series. Matt Olson. Let's we'll just stop for a second talking about Matt Olson for a moment. Uh, three home runs in that series. He has 52. He is now the franchise record holder for home runs. Uh, Scott, I'm not going to do this every time we talk about Matt Olson, but do you remember that time back in like you know April, May, even June, where Braves fans were like fed up with Matt Olson? Because I do. It
1: was oh, fun. yeah. Yeah. The worst move in the history of the organization, was, yeah, that was...
0: that I'm not going to out that person. That that tweets made uh made a uh, quite quite the rounds, and they uh, yeah. I I think from what I've seen, they did at least walk it back since then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it's pretty funny. And look, I'm obviously I'm kind of in the tank for Matt Olson. Uh, the high school thing is just it's going to be there forever. But uh, he's been incredible, man. 52 home runs speaks for itself. And I don't know about you. Speaking of your awards talk, Scott, um, I said this this week. I want to know what you think. It feels like Matt Olson. Is having an MVP season, but has zero chance to win the MVP, which is okay. It's sometimes that's just how it happens. But does it feel to you that, like in a normal ish year he would be a real candidate? Because I feel like I feel like he should be a real candidate oh, most yeah. of the
1: time. Yeah, I mean, a player who's going to have fifty-five plus homers and a hundred and how? I mean, what's his RBI pace at this point? I should have looked. I mean,
0: I, I don't care about RBI, but like he's going to lead the league, and you know he's. Uh, his strikeout rate is not even that big. It's, he's cut it down. His walk rate's gone up this year. He has 117 runs scored, which is, again, not like entirely up to you, but he's gotten on base. Lord. Look, if you had told me Matt Olson was going to have a 385 on base, I would have done laps around the room. You know what I mean? Like, like the power is the power. We all know he's al- he's always had the power. This is a new level of power, to be fair. But Matt Olsen currently, as of today, even when he, I think he was 0 for 5 today, he still has a 385 OBP. That's excellent. Like, excellent, excellent.
1: Well, and in all the traditional numbers, too. I mean, things that historically, you mentioned him being an MVP. You know, all of the things that historically would win you an MVP award, he is, if not the best, at the very top of the list on them. And on the best team in the league, um, you know, yes. So to answer your question, if it was not for Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts having very special seasons, uh, Matt Will, I think at worst, he's top four. I think he'll probably jump ahead of Freddie. I think Matt with the home runs probably gets third in voting behind Ronald and Mookie would be my my guess, but just a, a special year for Matt. And there is a tremendous article and I think video, I don't know if you saw this during the week, Brad, about Matt and his lifelong friendship and the work he has done with uh, for families with children dealing with autism. Yeah, uh, It is a phenomenal story. Uh, the, the contribution he makes to the Braves foundation with his salary established um, a group that supports families and allows families with children who have autism to come to games in a more sensory calm environment, which is, I mean, just a tremendous dude off the field by everyone's account. So if, if folks miss that article and video, I want to say it came out maybe Wednesday or Thursday, it is a, it's a great, great story, and it gets a little dusty. It's just, man, he's a he's a good dude. Yeah,
0: I uh, pulled it up just now. <clears throat> There's an MLB.com story, and also it is uh, termed to be an M- MLB Network feature. So that's the video portion. It's from the league, so uh, but yeah, it's <clears throat> it's fantastic. I saw it as well. And uh, Matt, great season, great guy. Currently has a seven home run lead on the field in the majors. Uh, I did not know this, Scott. Maybe you did. Can you uh, carry to venture a guess at who's who has the second most home runs this year in the league? Pete Alonso. You're right, and I didn't know that. Maybe I'm just in the dark because the Mets have been so bad for so long. Um, fun fun fact though: Pete Alonso is hitting 222 for the season.
1: Yeah, it has four home runs. Do so. you see that clip? Now we're in the make fun of Pete Alonso portion, which Perfect. I endorse every single yeah. week, every podcast. Um, do you see that his uh, one of his teammates tried to help him up? after he slid for a ball by the <laughs> dugout and he like swiped the dude's hand away and didn't want help up. Oh. Hey, dude, what are you doing, man? It's like Pete he, Ol- he's a, he's, a, he's just a weird guy. Pete is a weird he guy. He is just, there, there was, there was some loose reporting that he rubbed some folks wrong in the clubhouse. Cause he's just such a hard ass all the time. I kind of get it. I kind of believe it. He is, he's a, I, I am not a Pete Alonzo fan. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, shocking that
0: you're not a Pete Alonzo fan. No. Uh, <laughs> One more note here. It's probably a good time to do this note now uh, on the home run front. Uh, Ozuna homered today. That was his 35th. That was one of the, if not the only bright spot of today's quite lopsided defeat for the Braves. Um, But the Braves now have four guys with 35 home runs or more. That's also, they have four of the top 10 home run hitters in the major leagues this year. Four of the top 10. But more importantly, Four guys, 35-plus. That's the first time in the history of baseball that's happened. That's insane. Again, we do this all the time. Anytime you have history of baseball in anything, it's ludicrous. But for for something like that with, like, home runs, a very popular and important stat, uh, that's pretty impressive. Just for the record, it is of course, Olsen, Acuna, Ozuna, and Austin Riley has a 35 as well. So that's uh, pretty crazy.
1: Well, and there's an outside chance that they get a fifth with – Ozzie Albies who has he's got 30 30. yep so five over the last two weeks probably not likely but he had kind of quietly a really nice weekend series down in Miami had a couple of doubles on Sunday and he is somebody who had struggled a bit coming back from the injury maybe a month ago he was slow to come off the IL so if you know if we're going to get a patented Ozzie Albies heater over these last two weeks he has an outside chance to get there but I mean, you you took the words and said it perfectly. Anytime you do something for the first time in Major League history, that's uh, pretty damn cool.
0: Yeah, and again, just to put it in in context, I already said uh, the one thing about like the, the four guys, they're in the top 10. Ozzy is currently tied for 17th. in the, This is in the majors, not just the National League. This is in the majors in home runs. So the rest of five of the top 17 home run guys in the majors, that's 30 teams. Yeah. Um, wh- yeah. I mean, what? That's <laughs> also yeah. Ozzy's, Ozzy's. like listed. It was li, li, Ozzy might be five five. If we're being realistic, oh, uh, he's wow. like
1: five five five. He's probably like five seven.
0: Uh, I think he's listed at five seven, and he's not. He's not five seven. I don't no
1: problem, think. Oh man, I short... stood next to the man
0: before. <laughs> I know. I know uh, listen, I, I'm not. I'm. Uh, let me make sure I'm not slandering Ozzy. Okay, he's listed at five eight. Uh, he might be five. He might be five six. Yeah. I'll give him that. A- but he's five. a very very small man hitting thirty home runs in the major leagues. It's pretty crazy. So
1: he is a short and powerful king. About uh, that,
0: he is, he is a unit as the kids say. Yeah. Okay. Let us take a break. Now, dear, much more on today's podcast. We'll talk about the series weekend, I guess, very briefly, hopefully. And then we'll look ahead to what is to come this week. Stay tuned. Be right back. Okay. Scott, let us briefly look at what happened this weekend because it's not been covered on this podcast. We had most of the numbers earlier Friday and Saturday's games were competitive. They weren't great, but they were competitive. Bryce Elder on Friday was not good, but wasn't a disaster. Allowed four runs, in five innings. The bullpen gave up, I should say. They blew up late on Friday. Uh, the aforementioned Brad Hand had a rough night on Friday. As you mentioned, I guess right-handed batters. It didn't go very well. Um, but, I mean, what do you want to say about Friday? Because Sunday, Sunday's game was hilariously bad, so, like, cross it off. But other than Jared Schuster looking really, really bad, um, nothing like jumped off the screen to me Friday and Saturday. I don't know about you, but it was one. it was like competitive and just like two ill-timed bullpen, uh, blowups for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that, that That's what it was. I mean, the, the Friday and Saturday games were 50, 50 going into the eighth inning. You mentioned that Brad hand had a blow up and then Saturday night was Kirby Yates and Michael Tonkin. I mean, th- no, it was just a, just one of those weekends, <laughs> yeah. and you're playing a Miami Marlins team that has to win basically every single night if they want to keep pace in the wild card race. So I, I just think I know folks are frustrated. It's never a good thing, no matter where you are in the season to get swept, right? But you know, the Braves win one of those two toss-up games on Friday or Saturday night. I think the vibe is significantly different. And ultimately, as we talked about at the top, it's just just not that important. They still have a, a pretty decent lead for the one seed and for the number one overall in the come playoff time. It's just not worth losing sleep over. And then Sunday's game, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, I I did not watch a whole lot. I caught the first couple innings and then it turned out to blowout time and I I flipped the channel. But um, I mean, as long as this doesn't become a theme my my concern level is about a, a one and a half out of ten which would probably be where I'm at as of uh September 17th
0: yeah I, I don't want to diminish it because like there were guys who do matter that didn't pitch great like I said Elder wasn't good um Charlie Morton was not very good today those guys do matter so I don't want to just cross those things off but they've been good this year and I'm not really worried about one bad outing for those guys um I, I think I I think you tweeted this stat out that I was I was sharing but um one way to kind of frame this in a semi-positive direction, which is not easy to do. Um, The quintet of Jared Schuster, Brad Hand, Michael Tonkin, Derek Rodriguez, who got called up uh, and was just absolutely awful. Um, And then Nikki Lopez pitch today. um, Those five guys combined to allow 20 of the 36 runs over the weekend. So more than half the runs were allowed by, like, look, you you could say Hand and Tonkin are are part of the bullpen. That's that's fair. They're not exactly the the most high-profile guys. Um, and if you want to remove those guys, just the three of Schuster, Rodriguez, and Nicky Lopez. Again, Nicky Lopez is a position player. Um, allowed 14 of the 36 runs this weekend. Those guys do not matter in the playoffs. All respect to Jared Schuster, who I'm not trying to be mean. He is not a major league pitcher right now. He yeah. just he just isn't. I, I, I'm not saying that with any glee. It, he just he does not have the stuff. He's been awful the last two starts he's made. Um, for the season, he has 30 strikeouts, 52 and two-thirds innings. It's not great. Uh, you ask a question here. I'm going to let you ask the question on the podcast. I don't really have an answer for you, but
1: you we should at least say it out loud about Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know why Alan Winans is not getting more run for these fifth starter spots. I mean, he, he has two tremendous starts over – I believe he's made three. Two of them were very good, and one of them was not as good – Although he was seeing the Mets for the second time in a week, which I think can be tough for a guy like that who doesn't have tremendous stuff. But, you know, you you said it perfectly. Jared Schuster at this point in time has zero business being on a major league roster. I'm not sure why it wasn't Alan Winans. Maybe he has something going on. Maybe. I mean, he's an older guy. It's not like he's a 20 year old prospect and they're worried about his innings or something like that for the first time. So a, a bit weird, uh, but yeah, just um, uh, that was a great poll, that stat you mentioned of who gave up the runs this weekend. Sure, if the Braves went Freed, Strider, Morton, and the A-list bullpen guys and gave up 36 runs, sure. Then it's like, whoa, that that's a bit concerning. Uh, these are all periphery guys, and, yeah, just not, not the A-listers guys who, frankly, are just... I mean I could see Michael Tonkin getting some run in the playoffs. I could, And hand too. For hand matters hand. As, as as discussed. Sure. sure. Yeah, if 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 you run into a lefty in the 6th inning with two outs and you know your starters out of gas or whatever, sure. That that's fine, right? If if he's going to pitch to Kyle Schwarber and and uh Bryce Harper if they're batting first and third in a hypothetical series, sure. Hand is fine in the middle innings, but those are not your A1 guys and it's um oh. You know, let's hope that they just put this behind them, get back home for a couple days against Philly and just kind of hit the reset button after, as we said, a hangover weekend instead of a hangover day.
0: (laughs) The Braves allowed 36 runs, 43 hits and 19 walks in three games this weekend. That is just awful. And I I get why everybody's mad. It is what it is. Um, Also, they were swept by Miami for the first time since 2015. That's a long time in uh, yeah. in any context. Yeah. Um, also, they're only their third sweep of the season in the wrong direction and their first since May. So I think part of it is that people don't ever like when the Braves lose, and I get that. Um, part of that is the way they did it, and part of it is that people are just kind of not used to things going wrong with this team this year. They've been so good all year long that it's like everything goes wrong. The level of panic kind of rises, but uh, it's going to be okay, I think. Um Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you. I don't I don't know if you were even able to with the way you watch, I should know this, but on MLB TV, did you get to catch all of the post-celebration interviews that were airing on the Valley broadcast on Wednesday night?
1: Um, I did, yes. Did you
0: happen to see Charlie Morton's post post-clinch interview in which I said this and I think Stephen might have as well on Twitter? He sounded like a guy to me who might retire. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. He didn't say he was going to retire. And he gave a good interview to the AJC with your your guy, Justin Toscano, um, I think the next day. And did not say anything definitive. But uh, let's just say it is not a lock that he's still pitching next year after all that.
1: Yeah. You know, it was watching it live. All the guys, of course, are having a blast. They're jumping around. They're pouring champagne and beer all over each other. And then Charles Morton, who is really just on <laughs> oh God. the tail end of a, a phenomenal career, whether it's this year or he goes one more and he gives this just beautifully insightful, like introspective on his career and cherishing these moments because he knows <laughs> they're not going to be forever. And I mean, he almost looked like he was going to tear up for a minute. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a, by all accounts, Charlie Morton is a a tremendous human being off the field. If you did not, if listeners missed the interview, I think Kelly Kroll from the broadcast is the one who did it. I'm sure it's on her uh, Twitter, Bally's Twitter or whatever. But yeah, really just an eloquent and beautiful uh, moment from, from Charlie Morton amongst all of the chaos in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah, it was just something to see, and obviously he's we have all we all know this. He's, he's the oldest guy on the team, other than other than Chavez, who I think they're maybe the same age. But uh, yeah, Charlie might retire. There's the the option, all that stuff. But uh, it just struck some people that were watching closely, like, hey, uh, that might have kind of been a retirement conversation. He didn't say anything, of course, and again, he he did not retire. He did not tell Justin Toscano in the separate interview he was going to retire, but he definitely was like handedly uncertain, and that's, that kind of sounds. Funny to say out loud, but he was very open in that he doesn't know what's going to happen next, which is uh, obviously we're not going to go into this in super depth on September 17th in the middle of the playoff race. But uh, a reminder that the man's 39 years old. He's got some uh, things going on in his life. Oh, OK. So all that said, weekend, hopefully just a cross off and we'll leave it there for now. Upcoming for the Braves. They have the Phillies coming to town this week for three. Then they go to Washington for the weekend. It's actually a four-gamer in Washington. Another interesting note that has to do with semi-injury, Scott, was that Max Freed was in line to pitch against the Phillies, and he's not going to pitch in this series. Brian Snicker said um, on the radio, and then again, I think again after that, to Justin Toscano, that uh, Freed had a, quote, hot spot, end quote, developing in his last start when he was awesome and didn't, didn't go very deep. And people were kind of wondering why he came out of the game, that seems to be why, uh, and they wanted to avoid a blister. Max has had blister issues in the past, so um, that definitely was the right move. But if you're wondering why he's not pitching now, that is why. But Snit did say, on the record, they are projecting him to pitch in D.C. this weekend. So if that's the case, nothing to worry about. But uh, that is why Max Free is not scheduled to go against Philadelphia.
1: And very similar to the Ronald Acuna injury, I hope this is just being extremely cautious as they should be. Uh, He, as you mentioned, of course, has a history of blisters. And there there was another thing, too, that kind of ran through my mind with all of this. On the chance the Braves see the Phillies in a couple of weeks in the NLDS, Freed pitched earlier this week. There's probably a competitive advantage to him not pitching twice against Philly. Maybe, yeah. Just, I don't know. I mean, it probably doesn't make a huge difference. It's not like he has never faced Philadelphia in his career, but, you know, not having to face that lineup again, I'm sure that these teams will be collecting all kinds of data this week in preparation for a possible playoff series. So, you know, the fact you're going to push max back a couple of days, make sure a blister doesn't develop. And if there is a competitive advantage to him, not facing that same lineup a second time, and what would it be six days or so, you know that's probably not the worst outcome in the world, and and let's hope it really is just a hot spot or, or whatever, and and <laughs> you know, he's able to go out there in in DC and, and pitch fine.
0: That was the quote from Snit hotspot. So anyway, it is Kyle Wright, Special Strider, and Bryce Elder on the hill for the Braves in the first three games this week. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Chris Sanchez, and Aaron Nola for Philadelphia. So um, if anything, maybe an edge for the Phillies because they have Wheeler and Nola going this going in the series, but. It's interesting, like, I think it, <laughs> this might sound funny, the Braves having just lost this weekend in the way they did, um, you would expect them to have their best effort uh this week against the Phillies despite yeah. these circumstances. Um I- and, and they also maybe want to play spoiler because the Phillies are probably locked in. They're not 100% locked in, but they are the far and away favorite. They have a three-game lead on the field for the four seed. But it would be nice for the Braves, I'm sure, to go out and uh, beat their Rivals a couple times this week, even if they don't, games aren't super high leverage for them. Uh, I think just getting the tits out of their mouth would be good, and I'm I'm actually excited that it's Philadelphia because there's something extra. Because the Phillies look, they have not had this great season, but they have. That's that's a good team. Like they're not a great team, but they're a good team. They're a playoff. They're a playoff level team, and uh, they're coming to Atlanta, and they should probably get the wrath of the Braves. I would imagine after this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to reset a good veteran club, which is. I think it, you just said kind of get your attention a little bit. And uh, again, it might be a preview of the first round of the playoffs as we stand now. Philly has about a three or three and a half game lead over the Cubs, who are suddenly really struggling. Cubs were red hot and now they seemingly can't win. They lost a series in Colorado. Uh, they're on the verge of being swept by the Diamondbacks this weekend. So, you know, the, the as we've it, it the National League wildcard race is wild. You have five teams playing for basically two spots. So the the fact that this is a a Philly team that clearly has something to continue to play for, you know, they're going to bring it. Hopefully it kind of gets the Braves back on course. If I had to make a bet, I would say we see the full capital letters, Atlanta Braves, over this week. And and then they go play the Nationals in D.C. The Braves actually haven't been to Washington since opening day, which is kind of a, a quirk of the schedule. And, uh, you know, the Nats are not a pushover. They've had a decent year for being a rebuilding team and uh, they're going to have to show up and And let's hope they just kind of get this hangover weekend out of their system and are back to being normal.
0: Yeah. For some context, the Nats are not good, but they are a step above the, you know, the Rockies, A's, Royals tier. Like they're better than that. Um, they're still second worst in the national league right now in run differential ahead of only the Rockies. So like, it's a series you should win, but still, they're not like a complete disaster in the way that some teams are, i.e., Oakland and Kansas City. Um, and yeah, I mean, from there, it's the Cubs and the Nats. The following week in the uh, in the stretch run, we talked about it a little bit, but you know, probably going to face the four or five winner if they can hold on and keep the Dodgers at bay. Philadelphia is the front runner to be the four seed, um, so you might see them in the playoffs. And You mentioned that a second ago, and then that wide open race between Chicago, Miami, Arizona, Cincinnati. Maybe even the Giants, the Padres won't die. They're not going to get there. I don't think that they've won four in a row. They're suddenly coming alive at the worst possible time. Um, But it's a complete, uh, it's complete, it's it's complete madness. Let's just say in the wild card race. In the way that uh, the Braves don't have to worry about that, but they are going to look at their opponent potentially. And as we'll as we'll probably discuss next week, and I'm sure the week after that, the Braves are going to have uh, several days to twiddle their thumbs and get themselves ready to go after they, after they finish things up. So that's always nice though. And I'm sure we could have the annual Scott rest versus rust debate. Cause that's going to happen in about
1: two weeks. If the Braves lose it's rust. <laughs> and that's if right. the Braves win it's rest. Um, you know, it, last year, of course, Rust. First, yeah, rust, right? Like they came out, they were flat. They were also injured. I think that gets overlooked quite a bit when looking back on that series, which yes did not go well. But, I mean, they, they were literally down to one healthy starting pitcher, more or less. I mean, Max Freed, sick as a dog. Strider was throwing on one oblique. Charlie Morton got hit on the shin. I, don't, I, I That was, like, recently came up. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, in the second inning, in game four, he took a ball off the shin. So, really, the only game they had a fully healthy starter, they won which was the Kyle Wright night, which was awesome. So yeah, man, I mean, the Phillies are a good team. I, I try not to, I don't believe that prior playoffs uh, the way prior playoff games have played out, have any kind of impact on this year, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's baseball, weird things happen. Great teams have a bad couple of days and have their season end quickly and other times, great teams play great baseball and they walk to a World Series, which is what the Houston Astros did a year ago.
0: Yeah, and uh, fun fact that you brought it up. The Braves got, um, other than Kyle Wright, the Braves received seven and two-thirds innings from Morton, Strider, and Freed in that series combined. Yep. So, yeah. There you have it. Hopefully that won't happen again, but we'll have two weeks to look ahead to that. Um we should at least say, if you are a new listener that might be jumping on board in advance of the playoffs, we welcome you, number one. And also, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast because it's really busy. Sean Coleman uh, announced on the show. We already knew this, but uh, had a baby. So congrats to Sean and his wife for that. Um, but he's back doing shows. Um, we have Steven and Chris on the midweek podcast, We we'll name later. And then you usually have Scott, Scott and I on Sundays. Last week, Chris and I flipped because of his schedule and we made that all happen. But uh, for the most part, we're going to be here pretty much every day um close to it anyway between now and the end of the play- uh, and the end of the playoff run whichever whatever that might happen which we're hoping is going to be the end of october of course but uh we'll be here so please subscribe to the podcast tell a friend or two about the show and uh, it's a great time to kind of add to our listenership hopefully so uh help us it would be very much appreciated to help us spread the word in the next several weeks because it's a it's a big time for braves content and uh, braves fans and braves country however you want to say that um help us to help grow the podcast, but we do appreciate everybody already checking out the podcast both today and always. Scott, anything else to add on this fine Sunday evening in September?
1: No, nothing. Uh, I think we covered it. <laughs> um, a lot of baseball, a lot of podcasts on the horizon. I would very happily do these late into the night in October, as we did two years ago. Maybe it wasn't the greatest thing for our sleep schedule, but it was a ton of fun and all of the support is really, really appreciated. So thanks to everybody for checking us out. Let's all uh, let's go get a greasy burger and flush this hangover weekend out of our system and, and you know get back to winning. I think that's gonna happen. It's too good of a team not to and we'll be back next weekend with uh, yeah Brad, only two weeks left in the season. It's pretty wild.
0: 13 games, two weeks, and then uh, a hangout for a few days, and then the NLDS. So it's coming fast and furious, and it's got kind of alluded to. We're going to have, at bare minimum, we'll have a show after every single playoff game. So stay tuned for that um, with some sort of mixed match of, uh, of all of our hosts on this podcast network. So stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next time.